Welcome to episode 561 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Rightio, team, welcome along to episode 561 of I Am Talk with Coach John Yeston and Bevan James. Oz, how you going, mate? I'm bloody good for Monday night, Bevan. How about you? I've had, a, I've had a long day, John. I've had a long day. I started at 5 o'clock this morning and I'm still working now, so I wouldn't say I'm busy. No, I'm just, just well organised. Doing the yards, doing the yards, but it's okay because I'm well organised, John. Um, I Am Talk is proudly brought to you by... Sorry, but I know we'll go into that in a second. Plus, you probably had your meet your weekly meeting with yourself, so you got it all sorted earlier you know today. What? I did. I actually did that at four at ten past five today because I was Gosh. like, you know, I've got a busy day. I mean, I've got a, a full on day, so I need to have my weekly meeting. Good. I'm <laughs> talking proudly brought to you by Athlinks.com. Social networking for endurance athletes. Extreme endurance. Galactic buffer. And our fantastic patrons. And name a few. You go first, John. Arno Sleek Sulikov. We've got D Squared, David Doherty. John Hancock, the Mountain Snail. And I did see that the Junior Snail um, performed quite well at New Zealand Secondary Schools Triathlon Champs oh, the wow, other day. I think, he, I, think he was, I think he was in the top five in his age group. Oh, well, it's Callum, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Oh, well done. Um, Mountain Snail, um, pass on to Callum that Thomas is still playing with his Lego pretty much on a daily basis. Oh, nice. Uh, we've got Daniel Dickinson, a great expectation. And Paul Madman Mitchell. Oh, Madman. This week's show, guys, I had, to, I had to call up John. I said, look, we're going to go Monday Monday night. I've got to fly to Auckland Tuesday. I'm going to Auckland for pretty much an hour's work. Don't you hate it when you do that? As long as you get paid for about 20 hours' work, that's fine. I don't know if I am for this one. They haven't really talked about pay rate. But anyway, um, uh, we've got some news. We've got a hot topic. We've got statistic. We've got website of the week. We've got a bit of a coach's corner, John. We have. I did a, a running race at the weekend. That was more of a... Just stick to your paces. I tried to, <laughs> and uh, so I thought I'd talk through that because it was whilst it was a race, it was more of a key training session for me. Um, so sort of thought I'd share what what how I sort of go into key sessions and how I try to educate athletes that I coach on on how to sort of go into those sessions rather than just rocking up and hoping for the best. Hopefully, how you can uh, get the most out of those key workouts. What I ask is, what time did you do? Fifty-three. 30 I think it was but I will say it was about 200 meters short because we had a huge amount of rain last week and the field where the finish was I think they were supposed to do a lap around that and they had to cut that off because the field was closed so it was just a tickle short just a a tickle John just tickle then we've got some questions and answers and that's going to be tonight's show or this morning show or this afternoon show depending on where you are in the world John and what time of day you're listening to it okay so first of all not much happening in the Ironman world this weekend but the ITU had the World Series in the Gold Coast now, now next year at the Commonwealth Games is it the same course? I'm pretty sure it will be uh, it's, it's the same same location so I assume that was part of the reason for, t- for this race was a, was a test run for, for the Commonwealth Games except the difference with this one was it was a sprint distance and at the Commonwealth Games it will be Olympic distance so yeah I mean we don't normally start with ITU news but we're Kiwis and we had a Kiwi Kiwi victory so we thought, I thought bugger this and it's an impressive victory because it's 
two from two. So Andrea Hewitt took out the girls' race in 58 minutes and three seconds. She swam 9.53. She biked 30.33 and then ran 16.37 and really just crushed them on the run. She she basically, uh, if, if you are going to watch uh, the ITU coverage on triathlonlive.tv, maybe just um, pause for a couple of minutes or fast forward because we'll talk through her race. But she got off the bike and... Uh, and just drilled them, really? just caned it, uh, you know, kind of Brownlee style where you just get off and you just start going really fast and nobody can keep up and you're off. And she got the gap and maintained it. And she certainly looked like she was working hard, but still, you know, pretty relatively comfortable victory. It, it only looks like four seconds on the, the results sheet, but she, um, pulled up. You know, she, had it, she had it under control. So very impressive. Ashley Gentle was second and Yure Edi from Japan was in third place. So, wasn't the strongest world championship field we didn't have any of the um any of the strong poms there I and mean, jody simpson was there but she didn't really perform so there's, a, there's quite a few people missing but still you race who's in front of you and the fact that she's gone two from two having not won a race uh, a world triathlon series race for about six years was um bloody impressive and uh everybody in new zealand's pretty stoked for her how um how, how many short or sprint races are on the calendar john there's usually only one or two. So, it's, well, you have uh, Hamburg, which is a sprint race, and occasionally um, Stockholm. And I don't know if Stockholm's on the circuit this year, but that's sometimes a sprint race as well. So, you know, I um, for the especially for these courses that are flat and uh, somewhat technical, I kind of like them to be mixing it up a little bit. Okay. Uh, boy and side of things, the bottle took it out. Yeah, it was a it was a good running race on the boys' side of things. The uh, just uh, the Spanish Armada was out to to crush everybody. Yeah, Jacob Burtwistle, who's the young up and coming Aussie, he was in the mix for a while there. But uh, Mola just managed to just keep ratcheting it up, and uh, yeah, he just took it out from his training buddy Richard Murray. And Fernando Alazo was third, and Javier Gomez. You know, he always struggles a bit over these sprint distance races, and just can't quite muster it but over a full he's uh over a, you know olympic distance he's sweet but sprint he just struggles a little bit but still he's he's uh quite a bit older than a lot of these fellas you know he's born 1983 and most of these other dudes are uh you know 1990 or beyond so yeah. certainly a bit long in the tooth also for us kiwis it was actually good to see we had a few kiwis in the mix ryan sissons finished in seventh and we had a couple of young fellas who were up there in the mix for a while so uh Jeez, richard murray's been racing a lot lately is. isn't he he raced the, the super series oh. then he did the world cup last week in new plymouth didn't he he did, and uh, the, the something else. Well, he did Xterra, and he's just racing. He's, he's, he's racing most weekends, yeah. But um, he seems to respond very, very well to it. So, so many fleets yeah. are like that, aren't they? So many fleets are actually better off just racing a lot, aren't they? Yeah, and he just looks so smooth on the run. He's just cruising. He just looks like he's cruising. He's clearly not, but he certainly looks very comfortable on the uh, on the runs. So, well, in the Super League, yeah. he was just look. He was just a class above, wasn't he? Mm, in the mm. run, you know, and, that, and I can't remember which race it was, but you know, everyone you, you're just looking like death, and he was just like, it looked like he was just casual airs, eh? Mm, I but think that was a deceiving look. Yeah, but, but still, uh, but <laughs> you have to be be able to pull off the deceiving look, don't you? you exactly. Know, like, okay, Challenge have announced that Alistair Brownlee is going to be racing on the 22nd of, oh no, sorry, the pro lineup for Challenge Morgan Grand Canaria. Is that yep. it? Yeah, 70.3 race, making its debut in competitive long-distance triathlon. So he might be racing at George, George 70.3 as well. So we're starting to see it happen, John. 
Yeah, so try two four seven had a post that he was uh, he's down on the start list for St George seventy point three, and he'll come up against a decent field there. Um, but he looks like he's kicking things off uh, on April twenty second with a with a half distance race. So yeah, it's going to be it's going to be an interesting year on the seventy point three circuit because I was watching the um, ITU coverage at the weekend, and uh, they also said that uh, Richard Murray is going to be doing a seventy point three somewhere. You would assume to qualify for for Worlds, and we know that Gomez is doing the same as well. Again, assuming he's trying to qualify for Worlds. So if you had Gomez, Murray. Oh. Brownlee, oh. and then you throw Frodo into the mix, and you throw Sebastian Keenley in there. I think it would ultimately probably just going to come down to a running race, but uh, you could see some pretty good fireworks. You know, when Brownlee gets on the bike, and if he tries to act in the same way that he does in Olympic distance races and just drill it, uh, we could see some some interesting racing. Well, I've never watched the seven point three World Championships, and I, admittedly, I regret that I didn't last year because it was such an exciting race, but. Um, Everyone would turn up to watch that, wouldn't they? All those mm, names there. Be great. It would be it's great advertising for the sport. And it'd bring mm. everyone out of the woodwork to go and, you know, even just watch it on the internet. Like, how cool is it? Where is it this year? Is it in South Africa? It, or is it next no, year? No, no, it's, it's in South Africa next year. This year it is in the States in Chattanooga. Chattanooga. Okay, well, last week we were talking about um, Strongman. John did his kind of statistics on the oldest races in the world. Did you get the email about The Hague? Yes, I did. I've got that later on. Oh, okay, great. That was pretty cool. But, um, and so someone, we actually got quite a few people talking, emailing us and just saying how how strong Strongman is in Japan. It's pretty phenomenal, isn't it, John? It is. Norman White popped us a note. and Because I did say, I've been to a few races in Japan and they, they are pretty popular. Their websites might look like they're from about 1962, but uh, they still get good fields. And uh, Norman White sent an email, said the strongman in Japan gets around about 10,000 applications every year. It's a fantastic race. And he said Mitch Anderson has won it uh, before. And that's the thing. There's so few triathlons over there. This is this Again, I'm taking my knowledge back to when I did the few races that I did in the, the 90s and uh, early 2000s. And, uh, yeah, there's not there's more demand than supply. They, there's not many races. Huge number of people want to do them. The Japanese are quite sadistic on some of the you – know, you see some of those yeah. game shows and stuff. They've got oh. a funny – what well, was the one that you used to, we used to one years ago on TV, and it was basically you know just a process of elimination. But the, the, it was crazier and crazier as the competition went on. But the last one was two guys sitting in front of a table of food, basically who can long the last, who can stand the last of without eating, and they went like two and a half days, and they just keep putting this beautiful food in front. Of them. Like you just imagine a, like a table of the most beautiful food. And, and this host going, oh, yummy, yummy, yummy. And just eating it. <laughs> and then when the guy, the guy who lost, he just face planted He just crept and he just face planted the <laughs> Oh, it was so funny. Oh, yeah. Oh. Wouldn't, have been, wouldn't have been great live TV, but uh, when he finally cracked, that would have been great. Oh, well, they edited it so you didn't know. But it was, God, it was funny. Jeez, I laughed. Um, but, okay, strong so Strongman, strong man, a three-point case, a three-case swim. 157k bike I ride and you run a marathon but on the notes here it's got that it's got some pretty amazing bridges going between the islands yeah I, I had a bit of a look through it and it is on one of the islands that's way off the bottom of um, off bottom of Japan and that's where I've done I did two races down there I did the Astro Man I think in 2001 and I also did the a World Cup race there in oh, what the hell was the name of that place Gamag- not Gamagori uh, 
I did a World Cup race there one one year as well. And uh, I found a race report um, from 2012 of a guy who'd been over there, um, Andrew Emery. And it's, he was from uh, from Canada, and he went over there, and he was just uh, saying, you just get treated, and this is what I always found as well, you get treated fantastically when you're a foreigner and you go over to these races in Japan. And just going on about how much of an adventure it is over there, you know, amazingly passionate um, spectators, look after you super well. This looks like a really cool course. It's like a little group of islands and these big bridges going from island to island. And uh, you have the races that I, I've done in Japan. I couldn't, couldn't speak more highly of them. Sometimes a bit of a mission to actually get to the race site. But this race has got some great history. Uh, it's got some good winners. So we've had uh, Mitch oh, Anderson. Paul Huddle won the uh, 1993, Lothar leader in 1994. Peter Kropko won it four years in a row. He was a very good – he was a Hungarian athlete. He was uh, – I think he was a terrible swimmer, but I always remember he was a very, very good runner, and he used to come out to New Zealand as well and uh, used to do quite well. You would you wouldn't see him anywhere after the bike, and then he'd run his way through the field and, and usually finish pretty high up. Marcus Foster, who's a very good German. Mitch Anderson, as I said, has won it. Uh, so, yeah, they get some, some good fields. Lisa Bentley won it a couple of times on the, the girls' side of things. So, um, yeah, if you want to go and do a race with a little bit of a difference – Get in touch with them and uh, check it out in Japan. Strongman. Well, based on what the feedback good old Norman gave us, you might have to apply pretty early. 2,000 people apply for it. It's a good race. Okay, John, we think we missed this one. Now, who sent you through this link? Because this is awesome. I just saw this on Facebook today. I don't know. It, it, it was from November last year, and it just uh, I was just looking at a couple of things on Facebook, and it popped up, and I thought, I wonder what that is. And uh, it's a story of a guy. It was in Ironman Maryland last year, and – Unfortunately, it was one of those races where the swim yeah. looked like it got cancelled. But the, the, this is on CNN, so Bevan can put this clip on uh, on imtalk.me. I'm well, embed it, but I'll put a link to it either way. And when you go in there to watch, make sure you just sign up to be a patron on imtalk.me when, you, when you're on there as no well. <laughs> um, but it's a guy who's a dwarf who decided he wanted to do an Ironman, and he was a very unfit. It's not like he was active. He was very unfit, and he was overweight, and he wanted to set an example to his son and his uh, and just get his get his shit together, basically. The son, he married a dwarf. The son's a dwarf as well, so it's a family of dwarfs. And it was just incredible. Oh, my God, he, it uh, is, isn't it? He, uh, he, he, he uh, what was the time? I think his time was like 14 hours, something 14 or other. Half. It was, it's 14 and a half, yep. And so it's like a little five-minute clip, and it's well worth watching. And so it, it, it is sad because he would have got it, you know, like he would have got the under seventeen mm. hours either way. And mm. um, and you know what, phenomenal man. Because mm. the thing is, with the wolves is they have a funny body shape, even you know, just the way that because of the nature of their structure. And so mm. you know, to to run like how he was running, because it was almost like a bit of a, it's almost like a, a, a an oval kind of foot foot fall, as you know, and then the foot kind of goes yeah. around. And he's just impressive stuff, eh? Yeah, very impressive. So he was the first um, dwarf to be able to finish an Ironman, and he did it. So I'm, I'm, it was in November, and I, I was maybe, again, not busy, but at that time I had my other big race that I put on the Tri-Festival, so maybe this slipped through the radar. But I'm really surprised that this didn't get more attention And because um, I don't recall us talking about this. No, no, we, I, we definitely would have mean, like remembered it. Yeah, so I'm surprised it didn't get more traction. Um, so... Yeah, go check it out. John, I think we should give mm. you a T-shirt saying, John Newsom, I'm not busy. <laughs> never, <laughs> never. I've got, a, I've got a small item this week for what the hell is going on. I better just pull up who uh, sent me. People try to sometimes, I'm not a 
big Facebooker, and people try to fire me up sometimes on Facebook, and it quite often works. Um, <laughs> so, and Andrew Black uh, sent me through, and this How is, is Andrew not, Black? not the, no, this is not the Christchurch oh. Andrew Black. This is another Andrew Black, and uh, he's put John Newsom. I feel a rant of the week coming on, and it was Bob Babbitt doing an interview with Lionel Sanders, and uh, it was on NBCSanDiego.com, and he sent through a clip, and he introduced Lionel Sanders as the Iron Man world record holder, and uh, it, it worked. Got me fired up. There was a little bit of conversation on Facebook, and uh, I made my my opinions. Uh, fairly clear that Bob needs to lift his game. Again, nothing against Lionel. I think he's awesome, but Bob should know better. And uh, and you can't get me on the technicality that, yeah, Roth's not an Ironman. It's an iron distance record. Frodo is the fastest person to cover the iron distance in the world. Let's all get on the same page and just stop the silliness. Come on, Bob. You, you know the story. You're, you're the legend broadcaster. You're the standard you aim for. And when you make amateur mistakes like this, Maybe we'll become number one. <laughs> okay, John, you, just... Oh, sorry? You said it, not me. You're <laughs> slagging off Bob. No, I think Bob's... Seriously, if you're in all seriousness, there's not a nicer person in the sport. And, yeah. and I'm not saying that just because I just was joking there. I've never met a person who, A, is really successful, but his heart is 100% in the right place. And the thing about him is, is not just that his heart's in the right place, but Everything he does is about helping people. And even when you, you know, like I remember the first time we got to hang out with him, and this is what we weren't doing media, we were just kind of hanging around with him. And he, he gave me a DVD about some charity he was working with in like Africa. Like he's just passionate about helping people. And mate, he's, a, he's definitely someone who inspires me, you know, and where you come from as a person. Anyway, this week's discussion, Daddy Def and Peter Tinhole sent through this week's discussion. He was wondering, how do other people feel when they've raced previously and have now pulled away from the Ironman and have gone to watch a race? Was it tough, emotional? Let us know what that experience has been like for you. John, do you want yeah. to first? Yep, the old grinder got on there. The, the only, old grinder. <laughs> The only emotions I felt having watched two Ironmans since pulling away from the Iron Distance was to reinforce my zero desire to do another one and absolutely no FOMO, so fear of missing out, that wasn't that I wasn't in the race. Coach John suggested short course racing to me last year and it has rekindled a love for racing and the sport that I hadn't had for a while, so I won't be back to racing Ironman for a while. Girl Belle Fong, she's got, I did my first Ironman in 2012, hi Belle, um, and haven't gone back to long course since. I definitely get FOMO when I'm watching everyone come down the finish line. I've watched about four Ironmans since, always an emotional experience as a spectator, but then I remember how much training is involved. I also make sure I watch people at the 25 to 30k mark on the run because it makes me realise that I definitely don't want to do the training and go through the pain again. Never say never, but for now, short course is the way forward. Uh, Nikki Sweetman, I've got a Christchurch connection going on here. The first time I watched was when I was first pregnant and it was really tough. Uh, it was the year that Taupo had the big anniversary in 2009 and I cried, sobbed actually, when they played the video covering Iron Man over, over the last however many years, much to the amusement of those around me. I shall put some of those down to hormones. Nice. Now hormones. Yeah. Yep. Blame the hormones. Now old hormones, eh? I hate when my hormones play out, John. Um, Kirk, I'm going to say, how's that one? Radaz? That's a good name. I've come back from watch to watch some after some time away. It can be fun to see some friends I've made do these races. It can also be fun to heckle or spectate uh, for a change. Volunteering also helps too. It helps you feel like you're still a part of the fun. It's a good answer. 
Uh, Tony Buckingham, great watching friends at Taupo, even walking 30Ks with one to the finish. Bloody hell, that's a solid effort. Uh, I think I like watching Kona more than racing there, dot, dot, dot. I'm sure there is someone in the studio who would agree. Yes. Good old Andrew. I, I enjoy I enjoy the seventy point three in Kona. I've yet to find great enjoyment in the uh, the full. Yeah, mine wasn't a great experience either, but so be it. Andrew Bunce just got very envious watching on the day, but understand the sacrifice the training has taken up to the previous six to twelve months. Then I don't miss that. Sean Smith is not sure yet. Ask me again in five weeks. He's obviously going to spectate somewhere, maybe over in, uh, what's in five weeks? Maybe uh, I'm in Australia over in Port Macquarie. It's probably about five weeks away, so maybe he's going to spectate there. Okay, John, your thoughts. Uh, last one I've got to do is um, Nadine Voice. I haven't moved away from the sport, but I've watched two Ironman since my last race. She was up in Taupo where she made the TV coverage, and uh, she was also over in Kona as well. As yeah, well. we're still Kona. Yeah, way more fun watching. I uh, had a blast, even though my days were longer than if I'd raced. was at the swim start and the finish line, helped bring a friend in who was uh, finished at 12.20 at Ironman New Zealand. It's fun to sit back and watch our sport for a change. Got asked a lot at Ironman NZ this year if I would rather be racing, and no was the answer. Those conditions were brutal. Okay, that's, that's good. That's good. Yeah. Um, John, your thoughts? Well, I've raced, I've, I've watched quite a few Ironman races, and uh, yeah, I, <laughs> I don't miss it at all when I'm not racing. I enjoy watching it, and I enjoy seeing people having great days out there, but if I'm not fully prepared, you know, if, I, if I'm if i not fully prepared, fully fit, there's, there's no FOMO for me, you know. I know what it takes to get in shape, and uh, it's a pretty big project, so yeah, I, there's, it's not a, it's, I enjoy watching it, it's emotional, but there's certainly no fear of missing out for me. It's funny how life moves on. Like, for me, you know, it's what's well, been nearly ten years since I've done Ironman. You know, I gave up in two thousand and eight. So, you know, it's nine years since I've did the sport. And it was funny when when we got the chance to do rope this year as as the camp and you know what the work we're going to be doing over there. For a second, I thought, oh, I you know maybe I could do an Ironman, and uh, and it kind of I knew straight away that it wasn't realistic. But then um, I'm kind of partially starting to train for a marathon right now. And it's taken quite a bit of time out of my life. And I can make it, I'm managing it. But cheapers, creepers, the idea of putting an Ironman back into my life right now just seems kind of really hard to comprehend. And so when I go watch a race nowadays, it's very much admiration. And in some ways, it's a nice reflection that I was a person who was able to do this in my life. If you get what I mean? Like there's, for mm. myself, there's a bit of self-pride that I have been someone who's had that experience. But there's definitely no kind of jealousy or desire to do it at this moment in my life now when when i give up gym that may be something i want to get back to in the future but for now it's definitely more just an admiration and a kind of a happy reflection of my own past for me mm. Mm. yeah so i enjoy watching love love watching but uh no fear of missing out for me so this week's discussion i imagine is very much inspired by the the clip we seen of the the young dwarf or the dwarf john the, young john young was his name john young. Well, maybe we should try him on the show if anyone knows john young mm. give us an, e an email and we'll kind of get him a show to get an interview because i'll be really fascinated that that was quite an inspirational clip but i'd love to see how training differs for someone like him or is it very much just like what we do like obviously gears a bit different and techniques a little bit different but i'd still love to have a talk to him so if anyone knows Fuck us an email. So basically, has there been a triathlon story that has inspired you? And if so, what is it? And if you've got a YouTube clip, put the clip in there. And uh, Or if you know the story, put it on the link and we'll talk about that next week. John, sponsor. 
Athlinks.com. Now, I love Athlinks, as you all know, but sometimes Athlinks sucks because you've got all your results up there. And then when you go and do another race and you think that was all right, and you uh, go back and look and your results. That's what happened after uh, last weekend? Even when it was two quite, meter, 200 meters short? Not as quite. Well, it's the funny thing. This is what's cool about Athlinks. So I can go on there. And it, so the race that I did, it's this, it's this 15K race. It's been around Christchurch for, for quite a while, maybe. I'm guessing sort of 15, 15 odd years, but it's changed sort of not ownership, but websites have come and gone and what have you. And it's had different sponsors and changed names a few times. And um, there's, currently there's only this year's and last year's results up there. So if I hadn't um, got my results stored up on Athlinks, then I wouldn't be able to go and uh, see how I did back in the, the good old days. Mm. The cool thing is I can just go on Athlinks, boom, log in, and then under there's a, there's a filter and I can just filter it 15k runs or i can filter half marathons or different sort of distances triathlons and i can go boom 15k runs and i thought i'd only done the race twice and uh athletics is actually telling me i have done it in three times in fact oh, really? so i did it in 2006 did 5310 and uh then i did it this year and did 5320 something and oh, i'm only 10 seconds slower and uh 11 years later so that's not too bad then i saw the time that i did in 2010 and i did 51 51 so uh, i was a couple of minutes slower than that so this is a cool thing Th those results are nowhere on the internet that i can find anymore they're on athlinks so whilst it's sometimes a bad thing it tells you that you're a little way off the good old glory days when i was in good uh, good running shape back in 2010 um results are up there and, and uh, it sometimes reminds you of uh, results that you've completely forgotten about. I didn't recall that I did it in 2006, but clearly I did. Those are the days, John. Those mm. are the days. 2006, what have you been peaking for at that time? What would I have been peaking? So we did, I, no, well, no, I did. Um, I did. I did. And actually, that is what I thought. I thought, what was I doing in 2006? And I thought maybe that's when I did uh, a marathon. And it was. I did. Uh, so now I can do that right now live. No, no, I wasn't doing a marathon. I was doing a marathon in 2010. What the hell was I doing in 2000? Well, let's see. Then, then I can go, uh, can I search by years? Yeah. You caught, caught me on the fly here, Bevan. But uh, if I go all year. Uh, oh, yeah. Macho man. Yeah. Uh, oh, I'm sure I can. What was I doing in 2006? Here we go, Bevan. Uh, we did the South Island Half Ironman. Well, I did the South Island Half Ironman. That was when you beat me in November. Yes, that one's on Athlinks. That's good to hear. But not a lot else in 2006. 2006. Hmm. It's not much. Maybe I just randomly did it because I felt like doing it. Maybe I was having a season of, I don't know, running or something like that. Okay, well, there you go. There you go. That, that didn't go for <laughs> That was a great podcast. <laughs> it came to a dead end. <laughs> Athlinks.com, though, if you want to keep all your results in one place, get on it. Okay. Uh, one, two, three. Statistic. Statistic. It's fantastic. It's fantastic. So we're going to be talking about females running at Kona. And who was the first female to run a sub-three-hour marathon in Kona, John? Who do you guys think it was? First sub-three-hour marathon in Kona. I'll give you the first clue. It was done in 1999. I'll give you another clue. Yeah. Give, what was your second clue? Can't, what country she's from? Uh, Canada. She is. She's from, from Canada. It's narrowed down. And, and who was she married to? A very famous person we had on uh, on the podcast called Peter Reid. Yes, Peter Reid. So Laurie Bowden became the first woman to run a sub-three-hour marathon in Kona. 
that had been run elsewhere. I remember Erin Baker had a, a magnificent run. I think it was Ironman Canada one year. Uh, in, in Kona in 1999, Laurie Bowden went two hours 59.16, which is bloody impressive. And oh, so yeah. That got me thinking, you know, what's been happening in recent years? We know that Rini's been absolutely smoking it. And I will point out, for those of you who don't know much about Laurie Bowden, she was not like she came into triathlon and she was this um, former Olympic marathon or anything like that. She was an age group triathlete that worked her way through the ranks. Yeah, but we've, we've interviewed her on Legends, haven't we? No, we haven't. So oh. I've been trying to track her down. We've interviewed Heather Fewer. That might be who you're thinking oh. of. She was a very good runner as well. But no, we haven't had Laurie Bowden. And, and my, all my attempts to try to locate her have been unsuccessful thus far. So if anybody does know her or can hook us up, uh, please do so because I would love to get her on the show. Because she has really disconnected from the triathlon world, I believe she's got kids and, and just totally Different life. Just not, not involved. So... You know, the last few years, obviously, Rinnie has been crushing it. So 2016, Daniela Reef went 256 and Rinnie went 258. So wait a second. These are all the sub-threes we've had in Kona ever? And no, in the last few years. So oh, okay. I've, gone, I've gone back as far as 2011. So 2015, it was a, it was a tough run year and no females went under uh, three hours. 2014, Rinnie went 250. Bloody hell, that's impressive. Oh, my and God. No, no others. Uh, 2013. She now, that was also- when she ran down Reef, wasn't it? Uh, yes, it yeah. was. Yeah, that was, that was just amazing. Yeah, and then 2013, she also ran 250. Uh, Caitlin Snow ran 258 as well, so two girls went under there. 2012, Sonia Tysik was the only one that went under. She went 259. And then you're kind of getting into the Chrissy era. Um, 2011, both Chrissy and Rennie went 252, and Caitlin Snow went 253. I didn't go for any further back than that, but I would be surprised if there was many, many sub three hours until uh, Chrissy came along and really raised the bar. Uh, so it really goes to show that you know Laurie Bowden was um, high quality athlete, and uh, if you take Rinnie out, a couple of girls out of the equation, there's, there's not many girls that are going sub three these days. Would you and, say uh, the girls are running better than the boys? I'd say Rinnie Rinnie is the most impressive runner we've ever seen at iron distance racing. And but you know we we still haven't seen the sub two forty from a guy yet, have we? Uh, no, we did this year. What did Patrick Lang went two thirty nine, didn't he? Oh, did so, he? Okay, okay, yeah, yeah. Mate, I think you're right. So I think he did. Okay. So, Rennie is is yeah, that, that I, ten I, minutes I, off a boy mm. is pretty phenomenal. Yeah, no, Rennie's run performances are far more impressive than any male performance that I've seen thus far in Kona. You'd say her two fifty is kind of equivalent oh. of a guy doing two thirty five, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I would, I would say, if not better. Yeah, it's, I was just. I just still remember standing on hot corner and seeing her sprinting past at the beginning of the run and just going, that's ridiculous. And then she's never going to keep that up, and she did. And, man, she's that's I'm so impressed with that. Yeah. And the fact she did it year after year, you know, yeah. 2013, 2014, she did it. Um, yeah, very, very impressive. And to me, that 2014, because she was like 10 minutes behind. you know, mm-hmm. And 10 minutes behind... I remember I was on Leahy Drive with um, a couple of the Australian crew, and uh, we were, and I was like, "There's no hope." She was like eight minutes back at halfway in the marathon, and mm. she came back and won it. Man, it was impressive. Pretty cool stuff. Okay, John. So that's the sweet statistic. Next up, we're going to say website, website of the week. Okay, Jonbo, this one here. Tell me about it. It's just 
Axel Riser from Christchurch flicked the street off me, not for a website of the week. He doesn't listen to the show. But I had my um, Sea to Sky challenge the other day, and I think he'd somehow been randomly on the internet and said, oh, this one looks like it's almost the same name as you. And it's called the Sea to Summit Triathlon. Uh, And so for you Americans, if you haven't heard about this, this is your version of the kind of the Norseman. It looks wicked. It's a swim, a 1.5 cold water swim. It's actually on. Let's say that cold water. It does. It's cold water swim. It's on the 23rd of June, uh, and it's a, it's not an iron distance race, but it's uh, pretty pretty solid. It's in Vaughan Woods State Park in South Berwick, Maine. Uh, so you swim 1.5 miles, and it says the it's the water is roughly 12% salt and 88% fresh water. Uh, it can be cold. One year at the start it was 72 degrees, and at the turnaround it was uh, 58. Um, can you even you get your conversion out and figure out what 58 is? I think that's bloody cold. Okay. Uh, so then you come out of the swim, and you get on a get on your bike, and you bike uh, these distances. It's certainly not a full, but it's uh, you basically bike, bike, doodle along on your bike, and then the run, it's a run hike. You start in the Wildcat ski area, and then you climb all the way up to the top of Mount Washington. It looks impressive. Mount Washington, based off the pictures that you see on their website, is, come on, Paige, uh, it goes 1,917 metres high. So that is a fair old climb. Uh, last year, how many finishes did they have here? They start in the water at around 4.50 and you start at 5 a.m. in the morning. It, it basically, um, that temperature is 14 degrees. That's pretty fresh. Yeah. That, that, but that's, that's pretty pretty similar to, to Norseman, yeah. I think. Yeah. Um, now, where were the results? Where were the results here? So it looks like it's only the, the third year they're having it this year. Last year they had uh, 52 finishes. First finisher was Zev, bloody hell, that's a hard name, Zev Merowitz, and he did 6.53. He was two minutes in front of Tim Tapley, and Scott Layton was third in 7.03. So the top guys are going just under seven. Slowest athletes were doing 11 and a half, and it was pretty similar the previous year. First guy went, Tim Tapley took it out the first year, and 6.59, and 11.14 was last place. So the swim's taking uh, 40, just over low 40s for the fastest people, five to six hours for the bike ride, seven hours for the slower people, and then the run is uh, sort of around the two-hour mark. So 150, 144 is the fastest run by the look of it, and then uh, the slowest runs are around the four-hour mark. But if you want a cool, challenging race, check this one out. It's called the Sea to, Scott, C to Summit um, Triathlon 2.0, and it's s2strtriathlon.com. And I'll put a link to that on dub, dub, dub. I'm talk top me. Okay, John, three, two, one. Coaches Corner. Okay, so basically, you did your 15k race. Now, I think you said to me the other day you wanted to do 5k at four minutes, 5k at 345s, and 5k at 330s. Was it a strategy? No. What was it? <laughs> I'll go through that in a minute. It was a little quicker than that. Okay. A little quicker than that. You got you got the gist of it. So what I kind of wanted to do here was go through. For me, this is a, it was a key training session. Um, main, well, and I'll go into that in a moment. So yes, it was a race, but it was a training session as well. Didn't taper for it whatsoever. Um, so when you're going into a key key workout, and if you're preparing for a race, you know you might have one to three key workouts per week 
you want to actually have a little bit of a plan and some objectives around that. So it might be if you're in a biking phase, you, it might be another step towards doing a big FTP test, or it might be you know going out there and doing a long ride and doing some Ironman efforts in there and kind of assessing whether that's going to be a realistic pace. So looking at your heart rate and sort of see how that compares to previous race data. So you always want to have a little bit of an objective in there. Um, so for me, you know, my objectives around this was mainly to toughen up my legs a bit because uh, I don't get to race very often and I won't have many racing opportunities between here and um, doing rote. And I know for the back half of the marathon, I need my legs to be tougher. And I'll get some of that from training. But a big part of that is trying to do some races here and there to, to toughen my legs up. But secondly, again, because I don't do much racing, I need to get back in a competitive environment and toughen up my head a little bit. You know, it's it's a bit easier to give up in training sometimes and not tough it out. But when you're in a race situation, um, you know, it's a little bit uh, a little bit harder to, to put up the white flag. So I wanted to toughen my legs up and also toughen my head up a bit as well. Yeah. Um, and then so that's your sort of your big picture stuff in terms of having your objective for that session. And all the stuff should only take, you know, a few minutes before you, you head out there, but you want to give it some thought. And then it comes down more into your, your planning for the race uh, or for the training session. So you might have a particular metric that you're trying to track. So you might be going, I want to just hold a particular pace irrelevant of what happens to heart rate. So you might be going, I'm going to go and run 10Ks and I want to be able to hold four minutes, 30s all the way through. And then I'll have a look and see what heart rate that responds to. Or you might be going and doing a more of a, an aerobic test and saying, I want to ride two hours and I want to sit at pretty close to a heart rate of 140 and then kind of see what power comes out of that so having a plan around um, a metric it may be to test your nutrition strategy um, it may be um, you know having a really strong mental plan for when the going gets tough practicing your race execution so rather than again rather than just going up I could have turned up this 15k race and just thought right I want to run th- 335s I'm just going to go out there and and give it a nudge and and see what happens but try to just hone it down a little bit more and go into a little bit more detail and especially practicing the key things that you know you're weak on in races so it might be if you've last time you did a half Ironman you just crumbled in the in the last 10k and think was that nutrition related was it just being mentally weak or what was it and have some objectives and plans for for your, your key training session or your race so for me for this one bevan you weren't quite right with my foot you were right that i was breaking it into five minute 5k Mm, mm. blocks but my plan was to go in there and run 5k at three minute 40 pace okay pick it up the next 5k to sort of around about 335 and then try to drop it down to sort of 330s um so that was my pacing plan and then the other part of my plan was I really wanted to focus on some nutrition, uh, not nutrition, some technique aspects um, when I started to get tired in the final third. So, what tends been, to happen for you when you get bad technique, when you get tired? Um, well, it's more that if I focus on my technique, I'm able to maintain my pace easier. So, it's not that I'm falling apart, okay. but what I always find is if I have two or three things to focus on, don't have to increase my effort and my pace will, will increase a bit as well. So, I've been working a bit trying a bit of um to work on pose method of running a bit more because i've been struggling you know for a while now with my with my calves it's uh you know slightly i'll go into what pose method is another day but it's a bit more forgiving on your on your calves so a key thing for me when i was going through this run was in that final 5k when i was starting to struggle a bit 
I wanted to be focusing more on um, pulling my heel up um, underneath my body and then also having a slight forward lean and then making sure that I keep my cadence up nice and high. So those are the three things that I really focused on when I started to get tired. And do, you have, um, do you have a cadence? Like, are you at that 180 or do you try to go higher than the 180? Uh, I stick, usually stick around about 180 as sort of my average cadence when I'm, when I'm going in a good clip. Okay. Um, so I'm not looking down at my watch at cadence. No. It's more a case of the key thing, for, key thing for me with cadence is – if I start to pump my arms a bit more, my legs will follow straight away. So that was that was another cue for me. So um, the other thing that I know, some we've Bevan and I have mentioned a couple of times, we've both got um, the stride power meters. So I was um, I've been just gathering all the data, and I was just going to be interested to see what what the power did during the race as I started to increase my uh, increase my effort a bit. So, yeah, so I, I managed to stick to the plan pretty closely, unlike some people. The first K in these running races, God, it's hilarious. You know, I, I was aiming for a 340, ended up with a 335, and I was just getting drilled by everybody. Um, but, yeah, so for, through the first 5K, you know, I went 335. And how many of them did you pass? Like, you know, how many quite, would be quite a few. Oh, really? yeah, yeah, quite a few. Yeah. So if I was, say, 25th uh, after the first 1K, I ended up in 15th place overall. So, you know, past, you know, nearly half of them. So, yeah, through the first 5K, I was aiming for, for 340s. I went 335, 339, 339, 342, and 332. Um, some of those um, Ks were flat. Some of them had a, a little bit of climbing in them. But, yeah, I was, I was a few seconds up on where I'd hoped to be. Um uh, but not not too not too much. So um, the second five k when I was trying to sit around three forties, I went three thirty four, three thirty six, three thirty seven, three forty two, and three forty eight. So, but the interesting thing was um, the slowest k that I did, which was three forty eight, was a bit uphill. And it, what the power meter did display uh, show that that was my peak power kilometer for the for the race. And then when it came to the, the final 5K, I went 326, 337, 334, 328. And the last K was a little bit short, but it was averaging 336 pace. So overall, I was, I was uh, average 337 and I was trying to do 335. So it wasn't too far off it. Um, but the things that, you know, the things that came out for me were, you know, on not all of the Ks in the last 5K, um, but some of them I was pretty pretty reasonable with my execution. When I started to slow down, I went went to those technique aspects and managed to pick the pace up at least temporarily and then sometimes just uh, lost the will to live a little bit and then got myself back on track a bit. And then bloody Brett Tingay, your mate, passed me with, uh, with about a K to go and dropped the hammer. And, he's been in uh, hospital for six months, John. You need to sharpen up. <laughs> I know. Uh, and, Although he's got a pretty good running pedigree, so. He has, but he yeah. came past me pretty pretty smoothly. So, um, yeah, and so that that was, a, you know, when I evaluate the race afterwards, that's what you got to do, you know. Um, execution of pace was was pretty good. It was a bit, had a few little hills in it, which, which affected my average pace a bit. There was a bit of headwind here and there, and, in terms of the the mental side of things, you just got to kind of give yourself a bit of a mark out of ten, and and it's rare that you're going to have the perfect race. But for me, I thought well, I did a better job than I would have done if I was in training, and uh, still had a bit of work to do. But it was uh, a good practice session. The other things that you can do, yeah, as I said, on the power side of things, were you using the, power as an influencer? Not not at all, and 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 I don't use. In one K, 
I'd probably look down at my watch maybe three, maybe four times. Okay. But this, this is a big thing that I've got with power is I don't think it's going to be a particularly effective tool for racing like it is with cycling. You know, if I was riding up a hill, I'll be looking at my power, especially if it's a long hill, pretty closely. Um, if I'm running up a hill, I'm not going to be looking at my watch very frequently. So the I wonder, only... I wonder when, when we get devices where that in our ears. You know, one thing they're talking about right now with technology is like Apple brought out these new earphones. Have you seen the new ones where they don't have the wire? No. So they've got mics in them. and they, 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 But what they... What they're saying is that eventually, just the technology we're going to get in that ear is almost going to be the next thing, if you know what I mean. It's almost going to be pretty amazing stuff. And so what what, what about when we get to the level when we can go, the stride's actually talking to you, okay, you're currently sitting at 350? Yeah, that's the thing. If it was a, if it was a race that had significant hills in it, and, uh, and whether you have it in your eye in terms of the fancy um, glasses, glasses you can have, or you have it in your, in your ears, but I'm, I'm anti having things in your ears in races, but that's when it might come into play. Mm. But it would need to be a, a fairly significant hill for, for, for that to kick in. So this this race here, you know, the, the climb was only for, um, you know, maybe a, a minute or something like that. But if, yeah, if you were off going and doing a big, long, um, hilly race, then, then it would become a bit more important. But while the interface is still on your wrist, I don't really see it being particularly effective in pacing yourself. It's more of a post and analyst analytic tool um, there are a few other things you can do on the stride website they talk about leg spring and form power and they've got some blogs explaining what those are and that's going to you know helps to measure your efficiency over time but with all this sort of stuff and this is how i'm treating it is just gathering all the data at the moment and you've got to have plenty of race data in there training's training racing's racing so i haven't looked at it i'll look at it a lot more once i've got a number of race files in there and then start to, to look in a bit more detail but it's um yeah in terms of the power going up and down based on the terrain it, it seemed to do a pretty good job because yeah my slowest kilometer had my highest power output and the other uphill kilometers that i had um that again were a bit slower that they all kind of uh matched up with being high power outputs well and also your fastest k your fastest k was your 328 and there's pretty much the same power as your high when you're doing hill work as well mm. so it's um yeah so it was interesting the leg size and felt i've got to reiterate in terms of post-race um warm downs you know a lot of us don't don't do a great job of that so with this race i had to ride well i didn't have to but i rode out there which was about 25k and rode back about 20k slightly shorter and man it just reminds you how much of a massive recovery tool that is and recovery tool so yeah my legs were still fatigued afterwards but very very little muscle soreness because uh, i had such a such a long warm down so if you're doing any sort of warm-up races to your main ones i strongly encourage people to get out there post-race and do a really good warm down um on the bike or running or whatever you can do but the longer the better yeah especially for those really hard runs they're running definitely pretty demanding on the body okay john we've got a we've got a my first try, and it's a good one. It's a very short one by Norman White. And you got, we've got, tell us about your first triathlon. I got passed by a 16 year old Lance Armstrong on the bike. Uh, he was so fast that I almost fell over. And then he put an F bomb after that. An F bomb after that. And then I wrote back to him and said, That guy's a cheat. <laughs> so guys i want to hear we, we seem to have dropped off with these my first triathlons so guys get on imtalk.me and uh let me just make sure it's it's clear where it is uh imtalk.me great podcasting could have been prepared uh and where have we got it bevan it's under oh, contact yeah. us 
contact us, contribute to the show. And under there, you've got My First Triathlon or Age Grouper of the Week. So we need some more Age Groupers of the Week and we need My First Triathlon. So go on to imtalk.me, contact, and then under that, you've got to contribute to the show and uh, get your name and, name and lights on the show. And uh, it's always fun hearing about people's first races. The, 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 the evolution of Norman White's story, that's what I'm fascinated about. So when he first started, just some young kid passed him. And then about probably seven or eight years later, that was the story of a party, wasn't it? Oh, when <laughs> so I first great. started doing triathlon, you mm-hmm. know, Lance Armstrong passed me. People go, oh, my God, did he really? And then nowadays, you keep it. It's a bit of a joke at a party now, isn't it? You know, <laughs> the evolution great. of that story, it's a fascinating thing. Okay, the wanger of the week. John, who are we looking at this week? Well, the problem we've got this week is we are recording on Monday and it hasn't all clicked over for this week. So Bevan, uh, we did check after last week's show. Bevan's going, I'm not on there, I'm not on there. And we checked Bevan is on there, but he's not doing enough training to crack the top 100. Well, so might, he's not may, showing up. I may make it now, John. Do you know why? Because I've been given, Les Mills, Polar have given all Les Mills trainers this Polar, it's, it's really just a heart rate monitor, but um, to use when our classes are on. And it can sync to your Strava account. And it nice. basically puts it every workout to run. So, um, yeah. I've, but I've started using that. So I might get quite a few workouts in. So I might, you might see my name on the list now. That's fair enough. You work pretty hard when you go to the gym. So that should, uh, that should count. Yeah, I agree, John. I agree. Yeah. I should be on so this list. So we are looking at last week's stats again. And this time we're looking at uh, category number four, which is the slippery. The person who's done the most amount of swimming. And last week, so we're, we're a week behind here, it was under the swimming, 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 we had uh, David Hedges from the States. He swam five times for four hours, 40 minutes. Adrian Rich was also swam five times for four hours, 27. And Tony Hodge only did three swims, but she swam for four hours and seven minutes. First female, and uh, Melissa Uri was second female, and Rachel Cunningham was third female. Only two hours and three minutes. So, females, you I, pick I, it up, baby. I've got to be honest. I thought the swim time would be a bit higher. Mm. You do get a bit. Oh, I've got to say, Jason Peterson was uh, third, third male. You do get stiffed a bit with the swimming sometimes as well. Um, with watches, they they don't often upload the rest interval. So you might be in the pool for. You know, an hour twenty, but you only get credited with uh, oh. f- fifty-five minutes of swimming, and you just go, "Man, I wasn't there for ages." Oh. So that can get a bit frustrating. Yeah. Um, and we also have to remember it's that kind of the season, time of the season where, you know, Southern Hemisphere, a lot of the racing's finished off. I know your Aussies have still got, you know, um, Ironman Australia coming up in Cairns, but New Zealand's all done and dusted, and and the Northern Hemisphere is only slowly starting to get back into it. So yeah. I'm making, I'm making excuses for all you guys not swimming enough. That's all, that's all I'm hearing, John. John, let's talk about our sponsor. We're going to talk about immune boost. We're going to talk about our good friend, Sean the Porno. He's heading off to Boston on Thursday, I think it is, John. He's racing next Monday. Pretty exciting time. He wants to crack that sub three. Last year, he was just off it. Um, so he's, he's, he's getting a bit sick, John. And who no, does he, he call? Out, no, he wasn't sick. He was, he was out there last weekend. At the he did 57 minutes. Yes, and he uh, he thought right. The last thing I want to do for going over to Boston is get get sick, and uh, so he said, made him made put put in the call. I need some immune boost, 
So it's guys, I've had so many people, locals especially, have uh, whenever they feel like getting a bit of a lurgy, I get the call and they get the immune boost and it works for me, it seems to work for everybody else as it really helps uh, avoid getting that sickness. And if you've got that lurgy just coming on and you haven't been on it, for me at least, it seems to make a really nice difference in terms of uh, trying to fight it off and, and not letting it get to get to any worse where it really wipes you out for training so it's a fantastic uh fantastic tool so get on it guys immune boost uh check it out xendurance.com or through the .co.uk or .ie website or not .ie .eu um, and use the promo code imtalk20 and keep yourself healthy and get a 20% discount well i think one other thing to actually to really think about is for a lot of people traveling gets them sick Absolutely. Um, you know, like I, I go up to Asia a lot and I might be going to Asia in about three weeks. And um, often when I go up to Asia, I just get a bit sick just in the process of, and I'm, and I'm pretty healthy. I don't really get that sick that often. But, you know, if you're, if you're going to a race and you're going to a different environment, you're going to be traveling a long time, it, you know, you're in a plane, you know, these things do happen. So to grab yourself some immune boosts could probably be a good strategy to make sure you avoid that sickness that can come with the traveling to a race. Absolutely. So check it out, xendurance.com. And remember that promo code, I'm talk20. Questions and answers. Okay, boom, boom. Robert Beeling sent through. Good morning. Wikipedia actually mentions the race when they're talking about um, the Elmia Triathlon. Elmia was race was held twice in The Hague um, before changing to Elmia. Interesting fact uh, Flowland. Uh, where Elmira is situated was once C. Since the beginning of the 20th century, in several stages, a huge area was created from the sea. Dutch water engineers, engineering at its best. The race is legendary. In the 80s, it was more or less live on Dutch's television, which inspired me as well as many other people to try triathlon. Flat as a pancake, but quite windy and boring landscape is what you get during the race, but still a special race. So there you mm, go. Has, this came up because last week I was trying to figure out all the oldest races and some events did get uh, eliminated because they changed venues such as Ironman New Zealand, you know, that had moved from um, Auckland to Taupo, Ironman Australia is the same sort of deal, Ironman Canada sort of moved around a bit and now unfortunately Almira does need to get eliminated as well as being the, one of the oldest races because it has, uh, it has moved from its original site. Still a great race. I, I hear really positive things about that race, and it, it, it uh, yeah. I know when John Hellman's our local legend, he's he's Dutch. You know when he went to his first iron distance race, he's only done a couple. Uh, that was where he went back there because it had such strong feelings for him from when he was when he was uh, younger and had seen it over there. So he wanted to do his first one over there. Was I in New Zealand ever covered live on on TV? Well, what they used to do with Ironman New Zealand, so probably much like other countries I know in Australia, you'd have your your Sunday afternoon sports program. This is before cable TV and yeah. all that sort of Gra came Gra along. Grandstand, wasn't it? Yeah, Sunday, Sunday Grandstand. Yeah. And so what they often would do with Ironman New Zealand is on programs like that, they would uh, be doing constantly going going back and forth. So, for example, I remember watching Ironman New Zealand one year, and they had a little 15-minute highlights package after the swim. They did another one during the day, and then they had uh, quite a bit of live coverage during during the afternoons. So you could feel like you were really part of it. I've never recall it being, you know, nine hours wall-to-wall -wall coverage, but uh, it certainly used to have a, a pretty strong live element to it. Wow. Um, Jombo patrons, I'll go first. Martin, the Silver Surface, uh, Sylvan, oh, Sylvester, sorry. 
Uh, Neil, the Ninja Stafford. Tim Beastie, Beastly, Beastland, Beastland? Beastland. Uh, yep, David, the Great Greyhound, Hutchian. And then we've got Ken, Rocking the Free Will, Young. John, if you want to become a patron of the show, you go to www.iamtalk.me. You can become a patron if you want. I think right, I'll do that. And, uh, and you become a patron, you get a gift, depending on the level you donate to. You get a free entry to our trip to Kona, where you'll be joining us next year. And you support a show that hopefully adds value to your triathlon life. John sponsors? Athletics.com. Social networking for endurance athletes. And extreme endurance. Your lactic buffer, John. What's your goss? I, I didn't tell you last week. I got to give away a car last week. I now saw that. How did you scheme that? Well, I didn't scheme anything. So the, the Sea to Sky Challenge was part of the National Triathlon Series, and Suzuki were one of the sponsors. And so what they did, each what they do and have done in the past, is a six-race series around the country. And each race, they draw out one winner to go into the final draw at the final race. So, for example, there's a race in Taupo, there's a race in uh, Wanaka, and they pull out one winner and they each will go through. And in Christchurch, we had my race, the Sea to Sky one. We pulled out one winner um, and they all go head-to-head in a sort of elimination process to see who can win the car. Wait a second. How's the elimination process what happens? So then we basically have a hat with all the names in the hat. And we had, so we had the Christchurch uh, lady up on stage and we had a young fella from Wanaka who had won the, the ticket from Wanaka. He was up on the stage. So they brought everyone to the final? No, and then the other four people had ringing. So we had four other people on the stage and they had the people live on their phones. So I was trying okay. to do little interviews with them. Nice. And then just one by one, we eliminated all, all the people and then it came down to two final people. And it came down to two people, and there was one was a 13-year-old kid who was uh, from, I think he was the one from Wanaka, I think he was 13, and then the one on the, the other line was a 14-year-old, I think he was, from uh, from Tauranga or Taupo, so you had these two kids that were going to win a car. And uh, and as it turned out, the one who was there and did the race, and he'd done a number of other races from Wanaka, ended up winning a car, so that was really? fun, giving away a car. How old? He was either 13 or 14. Wow. So the parents are pretty stoked because the terms and conditions mean it goes straight to the parents. Oh, wow. How cool is that? Yeah. So it was, it was a lot of fun doing it. You Good know, on got Suzuki. Of, yeah. Got a bit of uh, – got, got the crowd into it a bit and, uh, yeah, it was good fun. Oh, wow. That's really cool. Was it a bit yeah. of a buzz giving it away? Yeah, yeah, he was pumped. He he, he oh, responded as as you would hope, not just sort of oh wicked. He yeah. was jumping up in the air and uh, yeah, he was pumped. What's the biggest prize you've ever won, other than like a gambling thing? Um, in Phuket, that was most. No, 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 not like isn't just like random. Oh right, like a lot. Like, like I a, won the eighteen colouring competition when I was a kid. Mm. And I won. Um, I don't think there's been anything too significant. Well, I love I love a raffle. I love a raffle. Yeah. I, won a, I love that you're a gambler. That's one I, thing uh, that I love about you. Just, oh. You know, because you're such a sensible soul. You know, and you're so kind of John Newsom's got a list to a list to a list. I'm amazed you didn't invent the Monday morning meeting, to be honest. And <laughs> and you're such a kind of structured soul. And then you've got this gambling side. We should have, we should have gone gambling on when we had the ten year anniversary down here because I'm getting all the reminders that it's exactly ten year or exactly yeah, one year like, since yeah. we did it. Um, in Germany, uh, Germany. We'll, we'll sit out. There'll be somewhere in Nuremberg. We'll somewhere in Nuremberg. Yeah. Okay, we'll do a night of gambling. Oh yeah. I'm oh, in because no. Joe loves a bit of gambling. 
Oh, I love the gambling. <laughs> Especially when <laughs> you should see him right now, Tim. I've never seen Rick so happy. Um, it's a part could, of be the game, yeah? could be dangerous doing it in a different language, though. Do you want oh. to, you just slap at the table and raise, and all of a sudden you've lost five thousand dollars? And uh, I, yeah. I, I think I think you can do it. I think you can do it. Cool. Yeah. I'm just going to Google now. You tell us about your week, and I'll uh, see if there's a, a casino in Nuremberg. Well, the, the big thing for me, John, is my daughter took off. I told you last week she was. She did. She did. Mm-hmm. So I've seen. Two, I had caught up with her actually, but I've seen two photos on Facebook of her since. Well, two comments on Facebook. The first one was her with two bottles of spirits in her hand. So that, that's really encouraging. And then today, I went on Facebook and uh, saw my daughter's name. We're waiting Tyler Isles. And um, and it's here's, here's her Facebook comment. $2.65 to my name. So, so oh. <laughs> it's going very well, obviously. So, uh, yeah. This is the Joker's Casino in Nuremberg. That doesn't really look like a casino. There's a Spiel in Casino. I'm going to have to do some more research on this. Uh, okay, I reckon. Yeah. Uh, what else is happening? In, oh, this is looking more promising. There's a nice, attractive um, lady and a nice, attractive man walking in somewhere. Uh, it's, think, we're classy, it's, John. We it like looks like it's, Bond. it's asking for my uh, date of birth, so I think that means that uh, we could be in here, Bevan. Mate. Mate. Oh, yeah. Yeah, or are there any tables? I don't like pokies, Bevan. No, I'm not pokies, because pokies are, is, a, is yeah. a scheme against you. Yeah. Whereas you're, you're scamming, John, and it's a skill. It is. Yeah, look at you guys, he's so excited. There's a bit of internet here. <laughs> we'll sort it out, but okay. Is this going to be a part of the camp, or is this you and I and Joe? Uh, we'll, we'll do this on the Monday night post-race. Okay. Oh, there's some people that won a lot of money here. Oh, we'll be some of them, John. Yeah. yeah we'll be able to retire. Yeah. Fantastic. They've got cocktails as well. Oh, even better. Um, any other goss, John? No, the goss, I don't think. Easter, no. what do you do for Easter? Easter is looking miserable down here. The weather's looking crap. I was going to take the kids camping for a night. So uh, we'll see if we can do a bit of that action. And uh, other than that, just settling back into a routine and uh, get stuck into some training, get on top of work, and uh, it's all good in the hood. Bevan, you got much else going on this week other than going away tomorrow? No, I'm just looking forward to a bit of Easter. I like Easter. When my family isn't here this year, we often have a big Easter egg hunt. So all the friends, we get all the kids, and we're going to do a big Easter egg hunt for the kids. So that should be nice. fun. And then, no, just chill. Just chill Fantastic. and relax. Looking forward, looking forward to our trip, to be honest, John. It's only yeah. eight weeks, less than eight weeks till we go. When do you go? Uh, late late June, so I think we've got a little bit more time than you. Okay. Is Belinda coming? No. We have just booked a trip to Fiji, though, for a few nights, so that's oh, going to be a good time. It's just you or taking the kids as well? <laughs> Not taking the kids, bugger that. Although the Commonwealth Games, we are taking the kids, and I'm on to that. Yeah, that'd be a cool experience. Well, let's wrap it up. Iron Russ. Iron Man, Train hard. Train smart. Kia kaha. Kia kaha.